and welcome to Rhythm Church. If you're in any need of prayer, our team is available to you at any time. If you'd like to get connected and know more, click on the links below. We hope you enjoy today's message. I've been processing this whole series and been thinking about each, each of the messages that I've done through the course of the last few weeks. And it's like, it's almost like single messages, but it's actually part of a series. And each of them have a different sort of facet of what Jesus did. And it was an insight into who he was. Today, I'm actually doing a bit of a, a trip through the Old Testament. I don't visit the Old Testament much. And it's not that I don't like the Old Testament. It's just that I love the New Testament. <laughs> uh, but there's so much we can learn from the Old Testament as well. And uh, we all know that in the beginning, God created and what he created was good. We have to be very mindful when we read the Bible that we don't read it from a static perspective. You know, there was actually almost a thousand years between the day God created Adam to when Noah built the boat. Nearly a millennia. You know, we don't think, and it's only six chapters in the Bible and we think, oh, it's just going through. But there's generations and generations and generations of time had passed from the days of Adam all the way through to Noah. Uh, the sad thing that had happened is that in Genesis chapter 5, Sorry, in Genesis chapter 6, uh, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's a pretty, pretty big statement, isn't it? You know, it's a pretty crooked part of society. And uh, it goes on to say, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. You think about that. God was sorry. He was remorseful that he'd actually made it humanity. And it was interesting to process that. And yet, you know, we have sometimes these conversations with people. I'm sorry I met that person. I'm, you know, I'm sorry I had to deal with this issue that I had to, you know, like it's that kind of, I think, was the heart of God. He wasn't, he wasn't sorry he'd actually created him because he, he wasn't sorry along those sorts of things. But I think it was a case of it's a real shame they didn't do what they were, could have actually been called to do that the choices that they made were the consequences, you know, the consequences they were living in, these evil times was the result of the choices they had made. And, uh, and so then we had this, this person called Noah. It was the best thing I could do was Russell, Russell Crowe in this movie. Apparently it wasn't a really big hit. But anyway, we've got a graphic. And uh, a couple of verses after what I just read, it says in, um, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, but Noah, don't you love the butts of the Bible? There's some really good butts in the Bible, but God, and there's big butts as well in the Bible. <laughs> I'm not breaking into a song, okay? <laughs> but you did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but Noah found favor. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so today I'd really like to talk about what does it mean to find favour in the eyes of the Lord. This word favour, the Hebrew word is actually kem. I might not be saying it right. There's a little doovie above the E and uh, all the English teachers will tell me what that symbol is actually called. But it's, uh, I'll call it a doovie. And um, <laughs> so 
this word is probably chem law. Yes, like it's, I don't think it's where we get chemistry from because chemistry is not full of grace or favour. Uh, but anyway, uh, so the word Hebrew word literally means well-favoured. I've got a spelling mistake there. Uh, well-favoured, grace, elegance, charm and acceptance. So some translations will actually read that, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Some translations will say, but Noah found favour and grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's interesting, you know, what he did because he then went on, Scripture would say that the world became, was flooded, but Noah and his family was actually uh, spared of that because they had the favour of God upon their lives. Uh, fast forward one millennia, or one millennia later. So we're actually now 2,000 years into Genesis and uh, we've got a guy called, any clues? Do we see anything up on the screen? Yeah, so who's that? Okay. All the Bible scholars in the room, raise your hand if it's Abraham. All right, all right. <laughs> You're not sure, are you? Okay, let's talk about a guy called Joseph. Uh, um, uh, verse 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Potiphar's uh, Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So he just got uh, purchased as a slave, right? He was left for dead by his family and he got picked up by the Ishmaelites and then was sold to Potiphar and, uh, you know, the story goes on. And so the next verse says, And the Lord was with Joseph. So we see that Noah had found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Fast forward a thousand years and God had gotten closer. The Lord was with Joseph. It wasn't just someone far off. He was actually with Joseph. Uh, so that, and so the consequence of the Lord being with Joseph, he'd actually prospered and lived in the house with the Egyptian master. Next verse. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did. So Joseph prospered in everything that he did. Why? Because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Isn't that interesting? Verse 4, Joseph found favour in his eyes. So, so Noah found favour in the eyes of God, found grace in the eyes of God. Joseph found grace and favour in the eyes of his leaders in Potiphar, right? Uh, and became his attendant. Potiphar, put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Would you not like that? Potiphar, one of the rulers, assistants of Pharaoh, and he has a slave who he purchases. And obviously the grace of God was on Joseph and Potiphar, a secular person, saw that he prospered. Years ago, uh, we were friends with um, a, well, we just finished Bible college, but we're still serving in the church. And uh, there was a Papua New Guinea uh, student who had come down to do Bible college. And he was looking for some work. And uh, I'll call him Wesley. His name was Wesley, so I'll call him Wesley. <laughs> and uh, as opposed to some sort of, uh, you know, alias name. And uh, Wesley landed this job with a hire company in Brisbane. At the time, it was actually quite a small hire company. And he, I remember him telling us is that uh, when he got the job, he told the boss, 
your business will prosper because I am working for you. And now that's actually a national wide hire company. You know, they ended up doing Grand Prix hire and all the, you know, um, cars, race cars in Brisbane, on the Gold Coast. And it's because Wesley had this faith that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Wherever he went, the Lord was with him and his business prospered. And I remember him saying that. And it was like, yeah, you could just see this business. Just go from strength to strength. Wesley, in the meantime, is getting promotion above promotion. And here is a guy that grew up in the villages of Papua New Guinea. He had an amazing relationship with the Lord, you know, and it was about an amazing relationship with the Lord that caused him to prosper and be in success of everything that he did. And I was reminded of that, uh, that passage uh, of Scripture in speaking about Wesley. Let's fast forward another thousand years in the Bible. We'll go to Proverbs. Who wrote Proverbs? King Solomon. All right, this isn't Bible college, by the way. It's not a test. You don't get stickers if you get it right or wrong. I'm sorry, but uh, it's not kids' church. If it's kids, yeah, those popcorn stickers. By the way, yeah, my computer went to kids' church last week and popcorn stickers all over my computer. I'm smelling these things. It's like, oh, it smells like popcorn. What's going on? So that's the kind of fun that kids' church have. So Proverbs, my son, don't forget my teaching. So now we've actually got this whole relationship Four to a thousand years, there's actually more than just uh, Noah finding favour in the sight of God, more than Joseph saying that God was with him. We've now got this personal relationship. And, and Solomon is writing this, uh, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments, for they will add to you length of days, years of life and peace. Who would like years of life and peace? Something about that, isn't there? Don't let kindness and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, we actually have, Kath and I have some materials. If you'd like to know how to write scripture onto your heart, meditation, you know, and we put some stuff up in our workplace last week around our, this emotional character sketch. And this is all in this space of actually writing the principles of God onto our heart through meditation, through writing, through confession, through reading the word. These are all how we write the principles of God onto our heart. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favour. Who wants to find favour in their lives? Who wants to walk in the favour of God in their lives? Everywhere we go, we're having job interviews and we can confidently say, the job's mine. I've got favour. The favour of God is on me. And good understanding. So you will find favour and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So who would like favour in the sight of God and man? Remember, this is before Jesus. So they were looking to the cross. They were looking to this Saviour that was going to redeem them uh, from, from all sorts of stuff. And so you will find favour. You will find good understanding in the sight of God and man. And uh, Solomon actually exhibits this kind of wisdom and understanding in this story. Who's familiar with this story of the, of the uh, two mums? So, you know, there, was, there, there were two prostitutes living together and they both have children. Both have babies. About uh, three days or three months later, there was another baby born. One of these babies dies. And so the one that actually, uh, the mother of the dead baby takes the child, right? Of the, steals the child and replaces, you know, and puts the dead baby next to the mother that's sleeping and, uh, and then steals the living baby. Wakes up and realizes that the baby that is beside her is actually not her own baby. 
And so the matter goes to court. It goes to Solomon and she, we, we've got a bit of a domestic situation, domestic violence going on. <laughs> you know, the, the mothers are fighting over, the, over this child. And so, you know, what we, who, who's actually familiar with the story? Some of us are familiar with the story, right? So uh, let's pick it up. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 26 says, The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, Please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. That's a pretty big statement to say. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. It's just like cutting an apple, really. Let's cut a baby in half. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. And when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe. Isn't it interesting? You know, today's, today's standing, we think, of course that would be the right thing to do. You're talking nearly 4,000 years ago. You know, society had kind of progressed a little bit since then. But the king had actually learnt this word. Oh, this download of wisdom of how to actually separate this. No, we're not cutting an apple. We're not cutting a child in half. We're actually, we're testing. We're testing. We're testing. This is testing. Just bear with me, ladies and gentlemen, please. Um, I think my screensaver has kicked on at the computer. Is that what's happened? Um, and so when all Israel heard the verdict, the king had given, uh, they had held the king in awe because they saw he had wisdom from God to administer justice. You know, so often in our world around us, we need the wisdom of God to administer justice. How to minister and how to speak with people in our world. We get politics galore in our, even in our workplaces. And it's like, God, give me the wisdom in how to handle this. Give me the wisdom how to handle this. I did a coffee event this week uh, for our federal member and uh, gives me a big shout out and all. And it's, and it's wonderful. It's great. You know, R Rhythm's getting some exposure. It's a couple of weeks in a row I've done some work for uh, the federal MP. And um, anyway, he gives me, some, gives me a call out and says, Murray, you're a pastor, aren't you? And it's like, I am. Yes, thank you. I was nearly going to say amongst other things, but we really do this sort of stuff. And, uh, and then their uh, PR person came up to me. He's also a Christian, goes to another church. He goes, it's really bad that he said that, isn't it? And well, it doesn't open the most amount of doors when you're in the environment that you're in, that you're a pastor. Uh, you know, and it's not that I'm never ashamed of being a pastor, but it's about having the, the wisdom and the understanding to know what to speak and to speak the right things. So that was just a little fill-in. We fast forward a thousand years again, another millennia. We get this cool looking dude. Yeah? The eyes of Jesus. Bit of a smile. Someone might think he looks a bit like Brad Pitt, maybe. I don't know. I reckon, uh, I reckon he doesn't look like me, so that's what I can be assured of. And, uh, and so anyway, John, so we've, we've gone through history now, a number of millennia, and we're talking about how we've progressed. God was in way up there. God was with Joseph. And, you know, now with this relationship of God being, you know, we were friends of God, as, as David wrote, and uh, we had this relationship. And John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, seen with our eyes. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. You know, when we see people like Jesus saw them, it's amazing what can change the world around us. This is the lady I'm thinking of. We look at the woman, and Kathy alluded to it in the communion, the woman caught in the act of adultery. And uh, she saw grace. She saw truth. You know, we have to be, as believers, very quick not to judge where people are at. You know, some, in some cases, it's, uh, we get crazy as Christians, we do, when we want to judge the world for what's normal for them to do. As believers, yeah, it's not normal for us to do some of the stuff that they do, but it's normal for unbelievers to do stuff. And yeah, we want to get on our high and mighty, think that it's wrong for them to do that. It's like, well, we're actually on a different standard. We're believers. We have a faith in God and, you know, it's normal. It's, it's normal for sinners to sin, right? We get that. It's just normal. It's like it's normal for me to make my wife a barista made coffee in the mornings. It's just normal. It's just what happens. <laughs> Heaven forbid I miss a day. Um, yeah, yeah, I might need to. I might need some prayer and deliverance. <laughs> John chapter 8. We're looking at John chapter 8. And this is the account of this particular story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. Can you imagine how full of shame she was? She was probably half naked, caught in the act and humiliated in front of all these people and said to Jesus, teacher, if you're so good, teacher, tell us what we should do. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? So let's actually have a look at what the law says. And I reckon there would have been a little bit of conversation between Jesus and what they were saying. So the law actually says this, Deuteronomy 22, 22. If a man is discovered committing adultery, both he and the woman must die. In this way, you will purge Israel of such evil. But the narrative is not about the man, is it? The man's never seen. I wonder. And yet, yeah, you're right. They were caught in the act. Takes two to tango, right? Uh, I won't go anywhere else with that. But uh, they were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. So uh, when they kept, kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the sand. So there's a couple of reasons why he stooped down, I believe. One was to get down to her level. By this time, she's now tossed on the ground, probably trying to find out how to cover herself from all the shame and, and embarrassment that she has encountering. But there's also, some scholars will actually say that Jesus was actually writing this in the sand. Jeremiah 17 verse 13, Lord, you are the hope of Israel and all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust. What Jesus, some scholars will say that that's what he was writing. He was writing the names of all these people that were accusing this woman because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. See, Jesus was always like God. 
He's always been like God, but the more we progress, the more we understand how good he is. And these Pharisees had lost sight of that. They'd lost sight of the goodness of God. They'd lost sight. And as a, as a result of that, they'd forsaken the Lord. Interesting. So at this, they who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. Now, why does it say that, do you think? Why do you think the older ones left first? Because they realize they've learned some things over time, right? You learn some things of, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I remember that time. He without sin cast the first stone. I remember that time back 30 years ago. Do you remember that time back 30 years ago? I'm not holding it against you, but Pharisees will, right? Those people of the law, they'll want to hold the sin against you from 30 years ago. And aren't you glad Jesus doesn't do that? Aren't you glad he's full of grace and mercy and he came full of grace and truth? And so the oldest ones left first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. He goes on to say, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. You know, there is, there is a whole lot in that passage of scripture around the life of Christ and the goodness of God. You know, he doesn't call out the sin of the individual to set them free from the sin of the, of the sin. He says, I just don't condemn you. You know, Adam and Eve way back in the garden covered themselves before God actually identified what they'd done. Condemnation kills. We have this mindset that we condemn ourselves and it actually brings on fear. And fear brings on all sorts of other onset of symptoms, sicknesses. Uh, it, it makes our world smaller when we walk a life afraid. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. No longer were the Pharisees there condemning her. Jesus was not there to condemn her. You reckon that would actually empower you to break your life of some of these dysfunctional habits? If you know that you are loved despite what you've done, despite what you've done. Two millennia later. So now we're, we're talking around this sort of time frame, 2020s or so. Uh, we hear a song a few, a, a couple, uh, 15 years ago, we are his portion. He is our prize drawn to the redemption by the grace in his eyes. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. How about that? You know, redemption, we're drawn to his redemption. We're drawn to the grace in his eyes. When you, when you get a picture of Jesus, what do you see? Do you see one that is maybe judgmental? One that's critical. What's the picture of God that you form? But when you see grace in his eyes, you know, it actually draws you closer to him. You're drawn closer to God when you see beauty in his eyes. You see the grace of God. You see that favor in his eyes. What do you look at when you look in the mirror? Right? Are you, are you looking at one that is like the woman maybe, full of shame, full of condemnation? Maybe you're looking at a, a person that is like a mouse instead of a lion. You know, he calls us as bold as a lion. You know, the favor of God. He sees favor in you before you see favor in yourself. He sees grace in you before you see grace in ourselves. You know, that's who he is. We respond 
to his response. Ephesians chapter 3, oh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 3. I'm actually going to read it from, uh, from the scriptures here, uh, but I've got a bit of a highlight on the, uh, on the screen there. Oh, my page. Someone borrowed my Bible. Give me a second. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 10 is a really good passage here to become familiar with. Just coming around this way. Are we okay today? We're doing all right? Yeah, do we need to stand up, shake it off a little bit? No, turn her all around. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as He chose us in Him. You know, you are chosen. We are chosen. He chose us. A friend of ours uh, has a shirt, chosen. Everywhere they go, they're chosen. Who's seen the chosen? How good is it? Right, the chosen, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So even before Noah, before Joseph, before Solomon, He chose you. He chose you before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him. So this woman caught in the act of adultery, while she didn't know it, Jesus was bound by His Word. Chose her holy, chose her blameless, chose her without sin, chose her without condemnation. He accepted her. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. You know, he's given us a glory of grace. How about that? It's almost like a crown of grace. Grace is on you everywhere you go. The favor of God is on you everywhere you go. It's so beautiful. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, the forgiveness of our sins, our shortcomings, the forgiveness of our self-condemnation, the forgiveness of our judging others. He forgives us according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention, which He purposed to him. How good's that? You know, you could meditate on that. One, one, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 10. Blessed us in every spiritual blessing. He sees us holy and without blame. He adopted and accepted us as children in Christ Jesus. We have redemption and forgiveness of sins. He revealed his will to us. I'll close with this passage of scripture. Colossians chapter 1. For this reason, everyone say, for this reason. For this reason, since the day we heard shout, uh, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. You know, we have a team that continually pray for our church. We're continually praying for our church. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. You know, you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. When you know what God wants for you, for the same reason that He wants it for you, your life will never be the same. You will live a life that is fulfilling, beyond understanding. To fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. 
so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Bearing fruit. Who wants to bear fruit? Who wants to bear fruit? Who, who believes that they've got good soil in their hearts that is bearing fruit? I believe that was one of our first weeks of this Red Letter series was talking about the sower of the soil, right? And the sower of the seed who sows soil into good ground. I believe everyone here is good ground, bearing fruit. We bear fruit in everything that we do, in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may be able to, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father. Giving joyful thanks to the Father. You know, let us not be a church that's morbid, dry, and, uh, you know, is a hush-hush church. We want joyful church. You know, joy, one person said, I shared it this morning in our, uh, in our pre-service prayer, joy is the currency of heaven. You got a little bit of joy in your life. You're examining, you're, you're exemplifying the realms of heaven upon the earth. You have some joy in your life. Our goal is that people walk in the joy of the Lord. Our goal is that people experience, that they may experience the grace and favour of our Lord. It's not coming up. There we go. So uh, our goal is that. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you love us continually. Drawn by redemption, by the grace in His eyes. Father, help us to see the grace in your eyes. When we look in that mirror, may we see ourselves how you see us. Full of hope, full of life, full of mercy, full of kindness, full of favour. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that your grace and favour is found in us, Lord. Help us to show that to others that we meet this week your grace, your favour. Help us to give favour to others. Help us to give grace to others. Just like you've poured out grace upon our lives. Father, we thank you for the grace that's in your eyes. Thanks so much for watching. If you'd like to know more, click on these links below. Be safe, be blessed, and we'll see you next week.